This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. If you or somebody that you know has ever struggled with mental illness or brain illness, as today's guest calls it, this episode is for you. I am beyond excited to have Dr. Daniel Amen joining me today. Couldn't be a more appropriate guest considering we're just heading into the start of Mental Health Awareness Month. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And Dr. Amen is a physician, an adult and child psychiatrist, and the founder of Amen Clinics, which have over 10 locations across the U.S. Amen Clinics has the world's largest database of brain scans for psychiatry with more than 200,000 SPECT spec scans on patients from over 155 countries. I first heard about Dr. Amen in one of Justin Bieber's documentaries. Of course, that's where I found him and was fascinated by his approach to supporting mental health and mental illness. His life's mission is to end mental illness by creating a revolution in brain health. Today's episode, I'm recording it a little differently than I normally do. Normally I have questions laid out for the guests and I always think about what you, the audience, would like to hear as well as you know what I'm interested in. Today I'm going to pretend like I have an appointment with Dr. Amen at his clinic This is somebody who is difficult to get in to see, and as you know by now, I have been through the ringer with my own mental health over the last three to four years, and so I'm so excited to have this opportunity to talk to somebody about my experience with anxiety, depression, intrusive thoughts, and I will also be talking a little bit about some suicidal thoughts. So just a trigger warning here, we're really going to get into it in this session, I'm laying it all out there feels very vulnerable and scary, but at the same time, I know that these conversations need to be had. And now that I'm feeling like I'm in a better space, it's always a place where I can speak from. I remember somebody saying at one point, speak from your scars and not from your wounds. And even though this is an ongoing journey for me, definitely feels like we've at least got a scab going on at this point. (laughs) Dr. Amen is a 12-time New York Times bestselling author. He's written books including Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, The End of Mental Illness, Healing ADD, and many more. You Happier, his most recent book was published March 2022. It's now a national bestseller. We'll make sure that we link to it down below. Oh, this episode is so good. If you can, grab a piece of paper and a pen because you're going to want to jot down everything that we're talking about. Can't wait to hear what you think of this one. Let's dive in. 
Dr. Eamon, I mean, there really couldn't be a better time to have this conversation with you. I always say that I feel like I'm the luckiest person to have the job that I have because it's like I go to school every day and I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about the people that I'm in relation with. We also are day two of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I have been to be honest, kind of through the ringer with my mental health over the last few years. And then in particular, the last couple of months. So for everyone who's listening right now, I'm going to pretend that I'm going for an appointment with Dr. Amen, which is very hard to get. But since I have him here, I'm going to talk a little bit very candidly about what I've been going through as I think a lot of people are experiencing anxiety right now. And I'm going to get his advice and feedback and have the opportunity to pick his brain, which is what he's the expert on, about mental health today and how we can all support our brains in order to feel a greater sense of well-being and overall health. So let's dive in. If I were to come to your clinic, where would we start in this conversation around mental health and wellness? Well, the first thing we do is stop calling it mental because okay. when you call somebody mental, you shame them. I hate the term mental illness because it stains everyone diagnosed. It's stigmatizing and it's wrong. These are brain health issues that steal your mind. 1979, I decided to be a psychiatrist. I'm so excited because <laughs> I just love it. Someone I love tried to kill herself and I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist. And I came to realize if he helped her, that wouldn't just help her, that it would help me and it would help ultimately our children, our grandchildren. And when I told my dad I wanted to be a psychiatrist, he asked me why I didn't want to be a real doctor why I wanted to be a nut doctor. Now, my dad would never get father of the year award, right? Because <laughs> I mean, that's just so insensitive. But I've heard thousands of times over my career, I'm not going to see no damn psychiatrist. I'm not crazy. It's the wrong paradigm. So at Amen Clinics, I have 10 clinics around the country. We have the world's largest database of brain scans related to behavior. And what did the scans teach me? Lesson number one, most psychiatric problems are not mental health issues at all. Rather, they are brain health issues that steal your mind. Get your brain right and your mind will follow. And this one idea just changes everything because you end up asking yourself throughout your day, is this good for my brain or bad for it? And if you can answer that with information and love, what creates your mind? It's not your thoughts. It's your brain. It's the physical functioning of your brain that creates your mind. And if your brain's not healthy, not working in an optimal way, your mind will never be healthy. Now, once you get your brain right, think of it like hardware, well, then you still have to program. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are walking around with a brain that's troubled with faulty programming and their relationships, their network connections, they're not working well either. And so I always think of people in four big circles. So if you came to see me, first thing you're going to do is fill out about 25 pages of information because I want to know 
all about you. I want to know about your biology, how your body works. I want to know about your psychology, how your mind works. I want to know about your relationships. And I want to know about the spiritual circle, which is, so why the heck do you care? You know, what is your deepest sense of meaning and purpose? Because all four of those circles work together all of those times. So that's the first thing I do is have you fill out information so we get to know you and people spend almost two hours with our historian. And then I'd look at your brain because how do I know what's going on in your brain <laughs> just by talking to you? Yeah. Right? Giving someone the diagnosis of depression is like giving them the diagnosis of chest pain. Nobody gets a diagnosis of chest pain because it doesn't tell you what's causing it and doesn't tell you what to do for it. But we're, we're in this mental health mass of you have these symptoms, you have this diagnosis, take these pills. And I'm not okay with that mm. because it's not scientific. It's a paradigm that got made up 80 years ago that's just wrong. It's not that I'm opposed to medicine but I'm opposed to the indiscriminate use of medicine and 85% of psychiatric drugs are prescribed by non-psychiatric physicians in 10 minutes office visits. It's a mess. So if you came to see me, I would want to know about you. And I love that. That's why I became a psychiatrist. I love stories. And then I want to look at your brain and then we'd go about optimizing those four circles. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L com slash Robbie Talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code rawbeautytalks at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code rawbeautytalks. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I love that you're talking about not just addressing the symptoms, but actually looking at the root cause more closely. So what is it that's causing these symptoms of fatigue, um, intrusive thought, brain fog, anger issues, like all of these things that we tend to give blanket terms like you have anxiety or you have depression that we're looking a little bit deeper to see how's the brain functioning. What are some other root causes that can disturb the brain health? See, labels like anxiety or depression tells you what it is. It doesn't tell you why it is. And why would you ever treat what if you don't know why? And some of the big lessons from imaging is, well, COVID can cause all of those things. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I'd want to know is, did you have COVID? Because post-COVID brain can give you brain fog, can give you anxiety, can give you memory problems, can make you irritable. It's one of the lessons I've learned from COVID. Head trauma can cause those things. Have you had a concussion? Were you a lacrosse player or hockey player or a cheerleader or a gymnast? All of those things go with more mental health stuff. So mild traumatic brain injury is a major cause of psychiatric problems. And very few people know about. Excuse the dogs barking in the back. That's okay. I love it that they're joining in for us. They're very excited about what you're talking about. Uh, (laughs) So COVID, so illness, um, head trauma. Did you have COVID? Not that I know of. I've had, you know, some of the symptoms, but never tested positive for it. We're really lucky that that's been the case. If we go back and look at my history at 15, 16, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder with anorexia. And looking back, I 100% had anxiety and that was never diagnosed at the time. But thinking about, you know, the pressure that I put on myself to get straight A's and just wanting to do everything perfectly, I think it truly was a coping mechanism for the anxiety that I was already starting to feel as a young woman. And then moving forward, I've kind of always lived with anxiety symptoms. And after having my second kid, after having Brooklyn, I started experiencing severe intrusive thoughts, panic attacks, and weight loss, feeling very depleted. When you talked in one of your videos that I watched about about brain reserves, it was like I went from this straight-A student, high-functioning, to brain fog, memory loss, like not being able to recall what I had for dinner last night. My brain feels like it works completely differently now. And... I've gone to many doctors, and as you say, it ends up being these five, 10-minute sessions. I think COVID, I felt really strong throughout most of that, and it's almost like I cracked as we're coming out of the intensity of all of it. Again, about two months ago now, I started having these intrusive thoughts come back and sending me into panic, and then I lose my appetite, I'm nauseous, it's like I'm barely holding on. 
And I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but my thoughts did turn suicidal. We decided to go to the hospital to see if we could find a psychiatrist or somebody who could treat me because I'd been given an SSRI, but it didn't seem to be working yet. And so that was about a month ago now. They increased my dose of the SSRI, which has helped, and I'm not having any intrusive thoughts anymore, but it's you know, it takes a long, as you know, a long time for them to start working effectively. And I'm still coming out of it. And it's challenging. And it's frustrating when you feel like you know, your brain isn't healthy. And yet, you know, it's not something that anybody can see. And the treatment requires so much patience and time. Yes. I mean, it makes you feel like you're crazy. Yes. It's like, well, what does that mean? It means your brain's not functioning as good as it could be. And my question is, did someone really do a deep dive in your blood work? You said it was worse after you had a baby. Did your progesterone level just go to zero or real? zero. And progesterone is the brain's natural volume. And women who go through postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety often have low progesterone and just replacing it can be so helpful. When it's low, you can't sleep, you're irritable, you're anxious, women drink more, and none of those things are good for you or good for your babies. How old are your babies? They are six and four now. So this is very important. And I want your listeners to hear this. So if you were sitting in my office, and I know you had suicidal thoughts, and you had babies, I would go pay attention to me. If you kill yourself, you've just gifted them a 300% increased risk of killing themselves because you are teaching them that's how grownups solve problems. And often when people get depressed, their brain gets in a tunnel And there's no windows and no doors. They don't see the impact of their behavior on others. The world closes in and they just want to be out of the pain. Mm. And, And I understand that pain is awful. And I'm totally a baby when it comes to pain. But at the same time, you need to know the truth. So I adopted my two nieces. They're 17 and 12 because their parents couldn't stop being bad parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with substance abuse and so on. And the dad called my wife because, you know, we try to stay connected um, and said he was feeling suicidal. And she gave him that line because she's heard me say this over and over again. He's like, I had no idea. I'll never do that to them. Well, I'm thank you for sharing that story. And I'm thinking about when I was in that space, which thank God my thoughts aren't there anymore. It felt, again, like those intrusive thoughts coming in and what they were telling me was, you're too much of a burden. It's so hard. You having these mental health issues, you know this is going to impact your kids. And maybe if you weren't here, it would be easier for Scott and easier for the kids. And my therapist, who's amazing, got on a call with me and was like, I just need you to hear and need you to know that that is not what would happen. That is not how this would play out. Like the amount of anguish they would feel for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I knew that and I didn't, I didn't ever have a plan or ever move into that space. It's just, 
the reason why I'm, I'm talking about this and opening up about it really is because I want anybody else who's ever there or in that space to know that it will get better. It doesn't have to be like that forever. And most importantly, you're not a burden. You not being here is what would become a burden. Well, let's do this. Because again, you said if you were in my office, mm. one of the things I would do is teach you how to redirect the intrusive thoughts. It's a skill that they should teach second graders. So why don't we take, I'll be a burden and work on. So I'm not a fan of positive thinking. Positive thinking is I can get high and I can get drunk and it won't negatively impact my brain. No, no, no. Both of those are bad, bad, bad. So can we work on that thought? I'll be a burden. Please. Yes. (laughs) All I I want you to do is tell me the truth. Is it true? You're going to be a burden. No. Okay. That's question one. Question two. And some people recognize this is the work of Byron Katie, but I have some cool tweaks to it because she basically has four questions and I turn around. Mine are a little deeper. Is it absolutely true with 100% certainty? You know you're going to be a burden. No. Three, how do you feel when you believe the thought, I'm going to be a burden? Panic, depressed, frozen, restricted, constricted, heavy. How do you act when you believe the thought? I'm going to be a burden. Like all of those things. Yeah. And probably withdraw. Mm -hmm. And what's the outcome of that thought? I'm going to be a burden. I'm more burdensome. (laughs) I mean, ultimately, you you lose hope Mm -hmm. and you want to die. Question four is how would you feel without that thought if you didn't have the thought? Lighter. And how would you act if you didn't have that thought? Mm, Well, what's coming to mind is just with more self-compassion. I would be more gentle with myself when I'm having a hard day. I'm not thinking that I'll all of a sudden automatically be cured if I don't have that thought, but I would just be more gentle with myself. And the outcome of not having that thought? Less anxiety, less tightness, more free. Less hopelessness. Yeah. And five is let's turn the thought around. I'm a burden becomes I'm not a burden. You have any evidence that that's true? You're not a burden? Well, I know my family and friends care deeply about me. And I know for sure, 100%, if any of my friends or family was in the same place, I would never think of them as a burden. Wow. So you're much meaner to yourself than you are to other people. (laughs) Oh, aren't we all? Why do we do this to ourselves? (laughs) 
but the whole love your neighbor as yourself sort of works. It's mm-hmm. pretty wise. Yeah. It starts with you for you to be the best mama. You have to be. I mean, I teach this stuff and I teach this stuff around body image and around in so many areas. And I'm in some ways I'm like, I'm being called to deepen that because for whatever, like it feels so much harder around my mental health because we attach our thoughts and you know, how our brain health, I'll change it to that brain health impacts us. It feels so much more attached to self. And there ultimately is still a stigma there. As much as there's change happening and we're talking about these things, my husband has Crohn's and he's treated it naturally for years and years, but more recently he's had to go on some medication to help with flare ups. And I never think he's crazy or we call him mental or a psychopath. I'm like, you poor man, what can I do to help you and support you through this? And like, of course, we've been working so hard with diet and movement and lifestyle to navigate this. But if you need medication, then that's the route that we'll take for now. And that's fine. And then on myself, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Why can't I pull it together? (laughs) So I would have you write down a hundred of your worst thoughts. And take them through that process. Okay. And then I would give your mind a name. And it's so helpful. It's based on a concept called psychological distancing. You can distance yourself from the noise in your head. Yes. That will just help you so much. Uh, So I named my mind after my pet raccoon because I loved her. I had a pet raccoon when I was 16. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but she was she was a troublemaker, just like my mind. She TP'd my mother's bathroom. She <laughs> ate all the fish out of my sister's aquarium. She'd leave raccoon poo around the house. And it's just like my mind, stirring up trouble. Yes. And so metaphorically, you know, I'll just sort of put her in her cage and go, <laughs> no, no, you're a troublemaker. Or what I... I've been doing lately because I remember when I had her, I'd put her on her back and tickle her. She loved that. And so when my mind's acting up, I'd sort of put it on its back and just sort of play with it. Loving. Mm, Right. Because, you know, why would I ever treat other people better than I treat myself? Mm -hmm. But it takes discipline, right? People completely miss this part about mental health or brain health. It's a daily practice. Yes. Right. I can't be 50 pounds overweight on Monday, have a salad for lunch and expect to be thin on Mm -hmm. Friday. That if my physical health is out of balance, going to take a bit of time right? and daily habits to get back. And so I start every day with today is going to be a great day. That way I find out why it is. I knew I was going to talk to you and that made me happy. I end every day with what went well today because it sets my dreams up to be more positive. Know your goals for your husband. So for example, with my wife, I want a kind, caring, loving, supportive, passionate relationship. Mm -hmm. I always want that. And so whenever I go to say something to her or do something, with her, I'm like, okay, does it fit the goals I have? And uh, it's just powerful, small, yeah. tiny habits that just 
make a huge difference. So whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, Mm -hmm. write it down, write down what you're thinking and then just go, is that true? And if you do it a hundred times, your brain will automatically flip it to the opposite. Mm. That's question number five. What's the opposite of the thought that's bothering you? Your brain will automatically flip it and then you'll just stop believing the craziness or the nonsense that just goes through your mind. And it's a daily practice. I'm so glad you're saying this and just really reiterating the piece that I often forget, which is it takes time. Healing takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And again, I'm, I'm not the most patient person, but I do really have to give myself that time and space. Like things are getting better and there have been some big leaps and improvements. Okay, I take my supplements. I take a probiotic that I've researched well. I meditate for 30 minutes every day. I move my body four to five times a week. I read lots of books that are supportive to this type of thing and that are rooted in spirituality, Buddhism. I mean, just things to kind of reiterate these points that we're talking about here and the disconnection from the thinking mind. Your book, um, which I mean, you've written so many bestsellers now and have a new book out, which we'll talk about. But things that continuously reiterate these points, we eat relatively well. Because I had an eating disorder, I eat intuitively, which means that I still leave space for some treats and, you know, chips are my downfall, I would say. But relatively, like we eat organic, veggies, minimal meat, and lots of whole grains and all that stuff. What would you say to those who are listening right now, struggling with anxiety or depression, maybe it's lifelong, maybe it just, you know, really got stirred up throughout the last couple of years with COVID. Which of these practices will give people the most bang for the buck? If we don't have 15 hours a day to do self-care rituals, what would you be recommending for everyone? So you mentioned You Happier, my new book, and there's seven simple questions. And I just am always working on how do I make this easy? The first question, is this good for my brain or bad for it? As you go through your day. So I would be an expert in what makes Aaron happy and clear and what makes Aaron mad and sad and anxious and foggy. And I'd be paying attention to what foods you eat. I think food's 30% of the equation. And it's this phrase I use all the time with my patients, be curious not furious. So when you're having a bad day, go, what happened? Maybe I didn't sleep or I fussed with my husband or it's that time of my cycle or whatever. I'd like be a scientist and not just a subject. The second question is, am I doing something that makes me uniquely happy every day? And there I talk about brain types and happiness that you know, what makes some people happy makes other people miserable. Mm -hmm. Like some people like jumping out of an airplane. 
And I'm like, not unless the plane <laughs> is on fire. So you want to know what makes you uniquely happy. And I love that you're taking supplements because the world is deficient mm-hmm. and multiple vitamin, fish oil, probiotic, optimize your vitamin D level. You live in Canada. So the sun is, you know, not always out like it is here in Southern California. And then my favorite happiness supplement is I make something called happy saffron that has saffron, zinc, and curcumin. Saffron is ounce per ounce more expensive than gold. Yes. Uh, There are 24 randomized controlled trials showing it's equally effective to antidepressants, but doesn't have some of the negative side effects of them. Like it's pro-sexual rather than it can decrease your libido or your ability to have an orgasm. So I'm a huge fan of supplements. Food is for only love food that loves you back. Do I love food that loves me back? You're in a relationship with food and you've been in an abusive relationship with food. And so knowing which foods you love that also love you is critical. And then five, we talked about master your mind and gain psychological distance or you kill the ants, the automatic negative thoughts and give your mind a name. And in that section, I also tell you how to break a panic attack. You said you had panic attacks. First thing is don't leave. When you're starting to get really panicky, don't leave unless it's dangerous. Now, if you're in downtown Detroit and it's three o'clock in the morning, leave because it's (laughs) dangerous. But Other than that, don't leave. Otherwise, the panic will control. Second thing, and you said, okay, what can I do? Simply breathe in a very specific way. I have a new app called Happy Brain, H-A-P-I Brain. And getting this immediately. (laughs) It defaults to a breathing pattern specifically to break panic attacks. So you breathe in for four, hold it for one, breathe out for eight. Okay. It's where you take twice as long to breathe out as you breathe in, that will relax you. So I'm a fan of meditation. If you just did that for two minutes, it's like 10 breaths, Mm. you'll feel calmer. And you need to do diaphragmatic breathing. So when you breathe in, let the energy of breathing go lower in your body. Think about breathing through little tiny holes in your feet. And it's so powerful. Oh, wow. I haven't heard about that one. What do you mean breathing through little holes in your feet? So women hold their tummies in. Yes. From years of dance school and just learning how our stomachs are supposed to look flat, all the diet messaging in the 90s really got to me. Okay. So yes. And I was a soldier and, you know, stand up straight, put your chest out, your gut in is absolutely the worst possible posture for mental health, brain health. So what I want you to do, never wear tight clothes. When you breathe in, right, you have babies. If you ever watch a baby breathe or a puppy breathe, they breathe almost exclusively with their belly. They don't move their chest. It's their diaphragm that goes in and out. So when you breathe, and on the app, there's actually a demonstration. I do this with actress Nikki Lee. You know, she's really pretty. 
and would wear lots of tight clothes. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> going to make you anxious. Is when you breathe in, let your belly come out. Because what that does is it takes your lungs and doubles their capacity, their lung capacity. So breathe in, stick your belly all the way out. And that's why I think of breathing through little tiny holes in your feet because right. it lets the energy of breathing go lower in mm. your body. And then when you exhale, when you breathe out, stick your belly all the way in because it'll help push the air out. And so you end up breathing with this big bell-shaped muscle between your chest cavity and your abdominal cavity called the diaphragm. It calms you down almost immediately. It feels so unnatural to breathe like this. Um, as I'm doing it right now, I'd really encourage everyone to just try breathing almost as if you're sucking air in through little holes in your feet, allowing your belly to expand outward. And just notice if that feels normal to you or not. I think I'm going to have to work on this one a little bit. <laughs> and if you are a ballerina, so you didn't tell me that part. Ballerinas, what do you think the incidence of eating disorders are among ballerinas? I mean, I know it's in, it's much higher and dancers, gymnasts, and I think of some of the, the women that I coach who are runners, there's certain activities that we can partake in that are very appearance focused or that are very focused on how your body looks in order to, for it to perform in a certain way. And so from a very young age, you learn how to behave, how to hold it all together, how to suck it in, how to be perfect that perfect word again yeah which is only a prescription of course to fail absolutely uh, so don't leave breathe with your belly write down what you're thinking okay and ask yourself whether or not it's true do the process and then if all that doesn't work and you're still panicking i like gaba and magnesium and theanine natural ways to calm you down benzos are being handed out like candy not a big fan of benzos, clonazepam, Pam, and Elprazolam. Definitely took that for a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but no, I'm off it because, now. Because <laughs> it's it the now. easy answer. And the big winner out of the pandemic is the pharmaceutical industry. And unlike skills, not just pills, right? I mean, if the medicine works, we light candles at church and say, thank you. Right. Nobody's shame for cancer. No one's shame for diabetes. And all of those have lifestyle, you know, things that create them. Right. No one should be shamed for panic disorder, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, depression and so on. But let's not not give people skill. Right. And yes. how to manage it. When I first started scanning the brain, I'm like, oh, these are biological. I'll probably use more medicine. I'm like, but biological, I'm going to use less medicine because I'm going to teach you how to manage your brain, how to love and care for your brain. Are there times when you would say that it's okay to use something like a benzo? In my case, when I was very concerned about using one, talking to the psychiatrist, and he was like, if you had knee surgery, we would give you morphine for a little bit to help you through that painful part. And then we'd start your rehabilitation. He's like, I want you to imagine that it's like, we've got to just put something on it, provide a bandaid while the SSRI starts working. And then we're going to look at, you know, all of these other things. So are, is there a time and a place for, for these pharmaceutical products to step in? When the natural things don't work. And unfortunately, 
very few people are getting the natural things. Yeah. And the emergency room doctor starts people on a benzo. And 30 years later, they haven't stopped. Right. Because right. once you start them, they are often held to stop. To stop. Yeah. So I'm like also a huge fan of hypnosis. I have a series cool. on, on Instagram. You might actually like it called Scan My Brain, taking young influencers, scanning them, not young. I mean, from all across the spectrum, but we just did Gretchen Rossi from the Orange County Housewives and she's doing better, but there are still some issues. So I hypnotized her for the series and it was super fun, but I'm like, are, are we teaching people skills rather than just focused on pills? A hundred percent on the same page. And that is why I was so excited to have you as a guest, because you are the best at simplifying these messages. I love how many little phrases and sayings, and you're just the best. I, I absolutely love that. And I also want to share openly exactly what I'm going through. So other people who are taking SSRIs or have been on a benzo, don't feel that you're alone and also recognize that we can practice all of these things and give ourselves time and patience in order to heal. I'd love to play a little game. I'm just making this up right now called, is this good for my brain or bad for it? And I'll ask you some questions about various things. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Let's start with social media. Generally bad. I think it's driving the epidemic of teenage suicide Mm -hmm. as girls compare themselves and find themselves wanting. They feel no hope. They have no skill in managing their mind, and it puts them at risk. Plus, all of these gadgets are designed purposefully to be addictive. And the more mind share they get, the more money they make. Mm-hmm. And we have to get young people to realize they're being manipulated like the cigarette companies manipulated them, the social media companies are doing the same thing. So less is better. Okay. Coffee. Not great for your brain because caffeine constricts blood flow. So if you have a cup a day, it's not a big deal. Although you have to tell me the size of the cup. A Starbucks Benti. It's 330 milligrams of caffeine, wow. which is an addiction dose in one cup. And often it's the crap you put in the coffee that is bad for you as well. So not a fan. Okay. I'm off coffee right now, which feels really good. Botox. Uh, no evidence it's bad for your brain. There's actually, they use it for migraines and other things. So No evidence. I know that it's bad for your brain. Okay. I was seeing a naturopath for a while, like half a year ago, and I, you know, was trying to be an efficient mama. So I went in for my Botox treatment and then I went to my naturopath appointment and he's like, okay, I need you to lie down. I was like, oh, I actually can't lie down today. I just had Botox and I kind of said it, you know, ashamed. And he was like, oh, come on, Aaron. He's like, we're trying to detoxify your body. You can't be putting a toxin into your body and then coming to see me to detoxify. And I was like, can't I just have one thing? I'm doing so many things right. And he was just laughing at me. He was like, it's fine, but just know that you're putting something in your body. That's an interesting (laughs) question. Unfortunately, can't I have just one thing turns into usually about 30 of them. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. Oh, my goodness. Uh, sugar. 
bad. It's pro-inflammatory. It's addictive. It makes you stupid over time. The, the one study for me that sort of pegged it is, you know, with football, they have Gatorade on the sidelines, which basically mm-hmm. sugar water. And they gave rats a head injury and they gave them, this was done at UCLA, one group got their usual healthy diet and within three weeks are able to run the maze that they knew before the head injury. The other group, they gave their usual healthy diet plus fruit sugar, fructose. At the end of three weeks, they're still confused that mm-hmm. sugar delays healing. And now oh. if you ask me about orange juice, I'd also say bad for your brain because it's too much sugar. Okay. Good to know. My son goes crazy after any sort of juice. It's absolutely fascinating to watch. He just, (laughs) it's like instantaneous. You can see it impacting him. Sex. Well, it depends with who. (laughs) (laughs) Are you enjoying it or not? Sex with somebody that you love and like. It's awesome because it increases dopamine. It increases oxytocin, the bonding. It increases serotonin because you feel connected and respected and it burns calories. So uh, I think it's important. I see so many couples. Then the problem with sex is their libidos are unbalanced. Right. So if you both want it a lot, that's awesome. But if one person wants it a lot and the other person doesn't, that causes conflict. And, you know, people often get married or get attached when their hormones are more optimal. Right. And then 15 years later, one person's hormones might be optimal and the other one's not quite so much because they yes. had babies or they had work stress or whatever. And then people start fighting about it when first thing, let's get your hormones optimized. Okay. I love that. I'm hearing a bit of a debate happening around high intensity exercise for people with anxiety and depression. Thoughts on exercise, high intensity, low intensity, or is it just really dependent on you and your body and what you enjoy? Part of it depends on your brain type, but, but exercise, if we could bottle it, would be the most valuable medicine in the world. I like weight training because that's your protein reserve and it'll protect you in case you get in an accident. So the stronger you are as you age, the less likely you are to get Alzheimer's disease. But I also like cardio because it's about blood flow. The better the blood flow to your brain, the happier you are. In my new book, You Happier, I talked about a study I did looking at people who are happy versus those that were unhappy and blood flow to their frontal lobes seemed to be the magic. And so whatever you can do to increase blood flow, You know, I often say with brain health, it's three things. Brain envy, got to care about it. Avoid things that hurt it, do things that help it. And with blood flow, got to care about it. Avoid things that hurt it. That's why I'm not a fan of caffeine because it constricts blood flow or vaping or smoking. All those things constrict blood flow and do things that help, including coordination exercising. So if you wanted to know the best exercise, you're a ballerina, Mm -hmm. dance, is great. So yes, it's got all sorts of emotional, psychological side effects, Yes, but it's also great because it's a coordination exercise, which is critical to how your brain works. Oh, I've been feeling the, the pull 
to go back to dance and was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. When I think about all of these things, you know, whether it's the food that we eat or how we're spending our time or how we're exercising, in my earlier years, all of that was driven around what does my body look like? Everything has shifted at this point in my life. It's all about brain health, happiness, which I'm not disillusioned. We're not always going to be happy 100% of the time, but having that base level foundation of being well is, is the reason why I do things now versus why I did things in the past. And I think that intention, really loving your body, treating your body with kindness is if we could all move from that space, you know, it would be that much easier. In the opening of You Happier, I talk about happiness is a moral obligation. Mm. And I guarantee you, when I grew up, went to Catholic school, I was an altar boy, that idea was nowhere in my childhood. That right. happiness is a moral obligation. Why do I say that? Because of how you impact other people. I guarantee you, if you're raised by an unhappy parent or married to an unhappy spouse, and you ask that person if happiness is an ethical issue, guarantee you they'll say, yes, hedonism is the enemy of happiness. Mm. But there's a science to happiness. Every day, you just have to do the habits of happiness. And of course, bad things are going to happen. But And it really depends on where you train your mind to look. Do you train to look for disaster, which is why if you ask me about the news, good for your brain or bad for it, it'd be bad, that we can train ourselves to have much better brain and mental health. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you could send one last email that was going to land in the inbox of every human tomorrow, and that was it. That was your final message. I mean, the number of talks and lessons you have given is profound. What would you say? Well, the mission I have, why I think I'm on the planet, is to end mental illness mm -hmm. by creating a revolution in brain health. We need to change the conversation. The conversation is just wrong, and we can do better. You are doing that. You are living out your mission in every way, and I just am like bursting with gratitude to have had this conversation with you. I hope everybody who's listening along had many aha moments and is leaving today just feeling more compassionate towards yourself and armed with tools to support you in feeling happier every day. Well, link to everything that Dr. Eamon talked about, including his new book down below. So you can check all of that out. Anything that you'd like to add in? Um, they can learn about our work at amenclinics.com. So amen, like the last word in a prayer, clinics.com. And the supplements I mentioned, like happy saffron at brainmd.com. We will link to all of those. And I'm going to be ordering myself some immediately. Thank you again. Have a beautiful day. Thanks, Erin. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Rob Talks community at Rob Talks, And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Thank you.
Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.